Our verses this morning are from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're reading from verse 12 to verse 31, which is the end of the chapter for those that wish to read along. But before we read the verses, I've been contemplating these verses naturally throughout the week, and it really struck me as I reflected on what the Bible says about gifts and service and how we should perceive ourselves and others, that this doesn't just address things such as gifting and how we use our gifts. It also speaks into, I think, some of the core problems that a lot of people feel and experience. Things such as self-esteem. I think people's self-esteem is often one of them. One, in fact, I think it's one of the biggest challenges we have in our culture today. People see themselves as inferior to others. And of course, things like this are only intensified when we look at the fact that we live in a celebrity-obsessed culture. So by definition, there are people that we make superior to us. And sometimes for the most bizarre reasons as well. Once upon a time, you were famous if you had an ability that kind of set you apart. Today we have people that are what's called famous for being famous. I don't even really understand what that means. But they're put in this celebrity position with actually nothing that really gives them what was once that definition. Yet they're there. And we have these people that are seen as superior, which by definition means that they're the others who are inferior and striving to get to that place. So a great example of that would be, in in our culture, we have the thriving uh, industry, which is reality television shows. And the thinking behind that is, here is your opportunity to get your five minutes of fame. So people go on things like Big Brother, and they're filmed for 24 hours of the day, and everything is laid bare. Now, once upon a time, that would have got you your five minutes of fame. Nowadays, nobody's watching it, so it doesn't matter anymore. But people would go on that. They would go on things like um, The X Factor, and they would go on things like, of course, Britain's Got Talent, and all these different kind of things. And whilst, to some degree, these things are okay, and they're they're entertaining, what's going on behind it that's driving the popularity of these things? Because let's face it, something like The X Factor has been churning along for 10 years and it's never ran out of contestants. Although sometimes it's scraped the barrel, I have to say. But we have to, what is going on in our culture? I mean, does, does anyone remember those Lynx adverts? The Lynx adverts, that if you sprayed this certain scent on yourself, all of a sudden you would be irresistible. You would be. <laughs> it never worked. But, we, but what's that communicating? That somebody needs to modify themselves to have some sort of significance. And this narrative runs consistently through so much of our culture. And it's taught to our young people all the time. From the clothes we wear, to the bands that we like, to the football teams that we support, to what we do on our evenings, to the books that we like, all these things can start communicating this message. And it was the same when I was a child. I can't communicate for those before me, but 
Was it the same back then? I'm getting some nods and some confused looks. But it's there and we have to acknowledge that. And I think when you see verses such as these, they speak specifically into that. So as God calls and gathers and shapes a people towards himself, these problems all don't just disappear. They remain. And worse still, our young people are inheriting some of these as well. So let's, and knowing that this is part of the cultural framework that we live in, let's read these verses and look together at what they say to us as a church this morning. So beginning at verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would its sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour. And their unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. Now, if you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed you in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? but earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. If we think of things such as self-esteem and how we value ourselves and how we see ourselves in the community that is this church, what do these verses say to us this morning? And how do they challenge some of the stuff that we have inherited from our culture. There are three things I want us to look at this morning. And the first of these is that we are one body, united through the Spirit and through baptism. And this body is a global body as well. It's not just here in Ellen. It's in Pitt Medan. It's in Peterhead, it's in Glasgow. It's even dared to establish itself in places like Glenrothes as well. And it flows 
throughout every nation, every town, city, village, you will find generally has a church. And where there aren't, there are ministries and missionaries working to change that. This body that we are part of spans the whole of this earth. And we see here this desire that this body is united. And I believe that applies globally as well. God is shaping different churches to be different things to different people in different situations. You should not expect, for instance, the church in Africa to resemble very much the church in the United Kingdom. There should be substantial differences. There should be, of course, core similarities. There's also going to be some pretty significant differences as well. And a quick illustration of that would be, I remember um, a couple of years back, I was invited to go along. We all know we've got another church that gathers in this school. And I was invited to go along to their service um, as they were pulling other churches together in the old academy. And of course, these are our African brothers and sisters, and they were all gathered together, and they'd asked me to do a little bit of a talk. And I went, and I had, of course, my kind of thing prepared. And this was charismatic on a level that I had never seen. And I am there, and I'm thinking... And the first guy gets up and talks, and he gets everyone hyped up, and everyone's roaring and raving to go, and it's amen and hallelujah. And I'm thinking, oh my, what am I going to do? This is not how I normally talk. So I get up absolutely petrified that I'm like the damp sponge that's going to put all of this out. But they were very gracious towards me, and they, got, they still kept st- stuck in it, and, and every time I paused, I, I was still getting the amens and the hallelujahs. But there was a difference between us and them. But they're still our brothers and sisters, and there's still that unity that runs through that. And that should apply globally. We should not allow difference to be division. Difference is difference. It's one body. And that should apply locally as well, where the people of our community should see the church embodied and expressed as a unified body should be in the local church. That was Jesus' hope and prayer for his church. And Paul here is stressing that we share in this one spirit and this one baptism. The Holy Spirit who is here this morning. He guides, he shapes, and he plants in our hearts the common interest that he wants us to take forward. And I trust and pray that on the vision day, some of that will become very clear to us all. But Paul here is saying there's to be harmony, there's to be unity. And he's not saying this because it's nice and it looks good and it's good PR. If you want to take all of this when you look at something such as the body, it's essential. It's essential that these things exist. When there isn't harmony in our bodies, we soon know about it. Things begin to fall apart. It's what we call sickness. And we will know about it in lots of different ways. And what happens at those points is the body becomes vulnerable. If, for instance, a male catches something as potentially fatal as man flu, 
you will see the evidence of that. You will see the sweat just pouring out of him and the suffering as he endures this dignified and just getting through it so well. We see these things. So when the body, our human bodies, aren't in harmony, we know about it. And we have to do things like take tablets for it. So if we've got like an underactive thyroid or something like that, there are tablets that we can take for it. Praise God that he's given us so many solutions to the problems of our bodies getting out of kilter and that harmony not working as intended. But he's given us those same solutions for the body of Christ as well. And we see some of them here that we have to rely on this one spirit and seek our unity in him. And it is as essential for the church as what it is for our bodies. If the harmony isn't there, there is a problem. And that is why Paul is stressing it in these verses. And this context, it seems that something almost like esteem is the problem. Because some people are being seen as less, some people are being seen as greater, and there isn't harmony. There is arrogance on one side, and there is inferiority on the other. The gifts that God has given are not in their correct perspective, and that is absolutely key to how we perceive our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to have the correct perspective. We cannot view others as lesser simply because they maybe don't have the gifts that we have. And we cannot view others as superior to us because we do not have the gifts that they have. The reality of what Paul is saying here is that everyone has gifts and God has brought all of this together and every single person is essential. Every single person is valuable. And the desire and the hope is that everyone pulls together as one, using what they have to do the things that God has called those people to be. And I think this is one of the key areas where verses such as these speak into things like our culture, when we do have that habit of lifting some stuff up and putting other stuff down. Actually, that's not what it's all about. It's a body, a people, harmony, unity, all one in Jesus Christ. That is what it's got to be about. And it's to be a people working together, having a common purpose. And this is one of the things that really excites me about this vision day that we're going to have. For me, a vision day is a classic Baptist thing to do. We gather together as God's people to discern his will and his purpose for his, his church. And that's exciting because God, I believe, will speak through that. He will honor that as his people come together. And we will get, I believe, this a real clear idea of what it is that God is saying to us. But all of that must be defined by the Bible as well because the Bible stuff it's not optional. It's fundamental. 
its core as to what it means to be authentically Christian. And here the Bible says to be authentically Christian, to be part of this church that God is shaping and desires it to be, we must see ourselves as a body. All of us working together. And the common interest and vision is an important part of that. But this is the key thing that we have that perception of one another and the body of Christ. So it's one body that is to be united. We are all one in Christ, as the little banner says there. But it's one body that is also gifted. And I've stressed that already, and I'm going to stress it again. All are gifted for the benefit of a body which is to be a blessing to one another, but a blessing to the towns that it lives in as well. And it's important to note from these verses that God is the one who has arranged these gifts. He is the one that has designed it in such a way. Now, one of the illustrations that I thought was a reasonably helpful one of this, and I apologize for it because some people are going to roll their eyes, is a football illustration, okay? Now, in football, if you don't know much about football, stick with me for a second, okay? You have the goalkeeper, then you've got defenders, then you've got midfielders, and then you've got your strikers. So all these people are chucked onto a park, and the manager decides who's playing where, what they're meant to do, And the idea behind all of that is that this group of individuals pulls together, uses the abilities that they have, follows the instructions that they've been given. And through that, there is fruit, ideally, of course, of that team winning. And whilst I would never describe God as our manager, Absolutely not. What he has done is he has pulled together a body, he has gifted it, he has instructed it, and he's called it to go forward and do what he intends that body to do. So the football illustration does work reasonably well because, of course, you could have the situation. So say, for instance, you're in a football match, a striker, brilliant striker. Let's say he scores 100 goals a season decides this match, let's say it's a cup final. He wants to be a defender. So the match starts, and the striker, he's up front, and then no, he turns, and he walks to the back. Is he helping the team by doing that? No. That's not his gifts, that's not his abilities, and it's not where he's been told he's to be. And ultimately, when somebody gets through and squares the ball to where the striker should be, he's not there. He's at the back. He wants to be a defender. It won't work. And the same, of course, is true in the illustration that Paul gives and what he wants for God's church. And I think one of the things that I have to make explicit is when it comes to this, every single person has gifts. Every single person in this church has things that you can do or I can do that no one else could do it like we could. 
No one else can do it the way that we can. We have to, I think, really take hold of that. So let's do a quick illustration, okay? Right. Here I I am. Now, if I walk this way, there, there is no problem. I'm not at risk of stumbling into anything as it currently stands. But supposing my eyes have decided, actually, they've had enough. I only had two cups of tea this morning, so they're going back to sleep. Okay? So if I close my eyes now, what senses do I have? Hearing. Okay. So let's see. So I'm walking. Somebody guide me. Or tell me at least when to stop. Okay, I'm going to turn this way. What now? Okay. Right? Kind of worked. Kind of worked, right? But supposing I was to close my eyes and walk really fast in that direction, what's going to happen? (laughs) What was that? I'm I'm going to go into the stuff and I'm going to have a pretty cross sound team. Uh, We're going to have some pretty cross musicians. Because the reality is that whilst we can do so much compensating for specific gifts, it can only work for so long. And then something goes wrong. Much like me storming across there and getting all caught up and poor Carolyn's keyboard. It's gone wrong at that point. We all have our gifts, and it's, I think, so important that we all seek to try and use them. They're all unique and valuable, and every single person is important. And every single gift, I believe, is important as well. This concept that can get in our minds of some being greater than the others, it's flawed and it's not correct. It's one body working together in harmony. And whilst we see a list of different gifts and purposes that people can have within the church, I don't, I don't believe that's exhaustive. I don't believe that Paul is intending to write every single thing down Because I think if we do that, we create a sacred and secular divide. There are certain things we see as sacred. And we'll put them over here. And certain things that we will see as not. So, for instance, we might see being in the music. Music is sacred. Being on the door, maybe not. We might say leading a prayer, sacred. Doing the teas and coffee, maybe not. It's not true. The Bible tells us that everything we do, we do for the Lord. Every gift that we have, we should be given for God. No matter what it is, I think they are all uniquely important. So whatever it is that our skills are and our abilities are, these are part of who we are and what we can share with others as well. There isn't a sacred secular divide. There isn't some stuff that's important and some stuff that isn't. Actually, I've already mentioned tea. For me, tea and coffee after it's vitally important. 
My, my caffeine levels are dro- dropping dangerously low. All of the stuff is so important, and it's one body working together in harmony. That is the key thing. So it's one body, one body that's gifted. Every single person. I think from the youngest to the oldest. It was great this morning to hear Alex chatting away. They're shaking their heads as if it's mortifying, but the rest of us thought it was fantastic. It's absolutely wonderful when things like that happen, especially if you're not the one doing your children's talk. But that is an expression of encouragement. It's an expression of joy. And it gets us all smiling. Smiling is one of the things that I think is just so important. We're to be a people of joy. To be happy. We're with God. And we things like that, they just bring that out. Every person has gifts. Every person. And we're called to be one body that is serving, that's using these gifts. Ultimately, we're called to be a blessing. To be a blessing to one another and to be a blessing to the communities that we live in as well. With what we have and who we are, to seek to use it to be a blessing. And there are two dangers, I think, when it comes to all this kind of stuff. The first is, of course, my mind goes straight to to the parable of the unfruitful servant when we're not using the stuff that God has given us. And that draws God's anger. The second risk is that that others are trying to do the things that they're not gifted to do. And that draws burnout. And I think burnout is sometimes one of the things that creates the biggest casualties in churches. Servant-hearted people that see needs and just keep stepping forward to meet them. It's much like the illustration when I was heading that way. It's fine for a little bit, but as things intensify, it was going to go rather haywired. And it's, it's the same if somebody's not gifted in something and they're doing it. It's going to work for a while. They'll enjoy it for a while. But after a while, it's going to get draining. It's going to get difficult. And if there isn't intervention, that person can burn out. We're called to be a blessing to one another and to this town and the surrounding towns that we all live in as well. And we're called, of course, to work together. Harmony, unity, shared vision. And on that, everyone doing their small part. That's when the body is healthy. It's the same with our bodies. It all just gets on with it. I don't have to think, for instance, if I want to raise my hand, I don't have to think about the nervous system and how it does it. And the exchange of potassium and sodium for the contraction of muscles. It all just does it. All those parts playing their part and I get to raise my hand. The body working in harmony. And we have that call to work together. But I believe ultimately this is all a call to be like Jesus. 
the one that we call the servant king. He served. And he used all that God had given him to be a blessing to the disciples and to be a blessing to all that would come after that, including us. And as we seek to do these things, we're simply, we're not creating a new thing. We are just simply walking in the footsteps of Jesus, who did serve. And he served in some ways that would make us uncomfortable. For instance, I am not a fan of washing people's feet. It would be something that would make me feel uncomfortable. I would probably do it, but I would feel very uncomfortable. But I'm even less so a fan of having my feet washed. And I wouldn't do that because what would ultimately happen is when somebody tried to wash my foot, I'd kick them in the face because my feet are very tickly and I just, that's just not going to be happening. But Jesus served in some shocking ways. The most shocking of all, of course, being the fact he was willing to lay down his life so that many people could come to know his father as we do. He's the one we follow. The one we seek to imitate. And as we do these kind of things, that's what we're doing. So I'm excited about the vision day. About listening for God together. That time where we can share together, be together, eat together, drink together. There is tea and coffee on tap, by the way. And in the midst of all of that, I strongly believe God is going to speak to us. And as he does so, I think we are going to get a real explicit common purpose. One that we're all going to muck into. And things such as this illustration of a body become ever more important to us. We all have a part to play. Each of us, uniquely gifted, unique people. None of the two of us are the same. We're all different. Different strengths, perspectives, abilities, and ways of carrying them out. But there's one God, and he's here in this room. He's arranging things, and he's gone before us. So on that Saturday, we get that time together to listen and to be captured by what it is that he desires from us and to go together and to do it. That is for each of us, all of us, gifted, vital, indispensable. There isn't a hierarchy. We don't need to look at our brothers and sisters and think, I don't have much to contribute, not in comparison to that person over there. All of us, every single one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, are going to have unique and important roles to play. Some of that might be the small stuff, but the small stuff is as important as the big stuff. As I pointed out a minute ago, 
We don't have to think about what's happening when we raise our arm. There's loads of stuff happening. But of course, things such as our vision and our senses, these are what we would consider the priority stuff because we're sensory beings. The small bits working in harmony. The bits that we would consider to be significant working in harmony. And all of it working together as one body allows us to do the things from the most basic to the, some of the more complex things that some of us are able to do. So I would encourage us, be excited about Saturday. I genuinely believe that God will speak clearly to us. But that's the beginning. After that, we do. We hear and we obey. But remember always that the primary thing is we're called to be like Jesus, to be a blessing, to be imitators. We aren't reinventing anything on Saturday. We aren't coming up with some original thing the church hasn't thought of in 2,000 years. What we're doing is asking Jesus to speak to us and help us to be ever more like him in this town and in many others. As I look around, I see lots of different towns that we're coming from. There's Pitt Medan, there's New Pitts Ligo, there is New Deer, lots of places that Ellen Baptist Church sits in. In these places, we are the salt and light. So be excited and be encouraged because the God of the Bible has big plans for us, for you, for me, for us as a body, working together in obedience to him. We're one body, locally and globally. And the key thing is that we're authentic to God, that we're imitating Jesus, and that we're going forward in his will.